everyone. Uh, welcome. To, I think you should actually have a seat. So go ahead, sit down. <laughs> welcome to chapel. Um, today's chapel is going to be about um, serving God through the things that we're gifted in and through our extracurriculars, the things that we're already doing. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and light the candle of God's presence here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you for being here with us. I pray that you would open our minds um, and our hearts to the things that the speakers have for us this morning, um, that we could learn more about how to serve you in our daily lives. Amen. The scripture for this morning I'm going to read now is 1 Peter 4.11. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. All right, if you guys would stand again, we're going to sing. This is an older hymn. Hopefully some of you guys will know it a little bit better than the other one. But at the end it says, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raise this life up from the dead. So it's something to celebrate, to be excited about. So sing.
Lord, we just thank you for um, your presence here. Um, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there you are in the midst of them. And we just thank you for that promise, God. And uh, I pray you be with the speakers and allow us to have open hearts with this to say. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can sit down. All right, so we have three speakers here this morning. Uh, we're first going to hear from Tim DeMont. Uh, Tim became the athletics director at Goshen College in 2008 as a former college athlete and college coach. Now, Tim oversees all of Goshen's 14 intercollegiate athletic programs. He is married to Shannon and has three kids, jo Joshua, Caitlin, and Janae. Currently, Tim's four-year-old is beating him in his March Madness pool. <laughs> Next, we will hear from Natasha Weisenbeck. Natasha is a sophomore pursuing a public relations major and a Bible religion major, minor. She spends her extra minutes helping with costumes and props at Umble, and she lays out for red sense, playing with eco-packs, and using her position as a ministry leader as an excuse to make bread once a week for girls on the floor. And our final speaker today is Sammy Rosario. Sammy is a broadcasting and theater major. Sammy is also a two-time Academy Award winner, two-time Nobel Prize winner, and a soap opera actor. Of course, he accomplished all of this before coming to Goshen College. Let's give it up for our speaker this morning. Unfortunately, it is true, my four-year-old is beating me in March Madness, um, and it's legit. I would literally tell her who the teams were, and she would just pick them. She had no idea about rankings, about anything. She would just pick Alabama over Creighton. She was wrong on that one, but most of the other ones, she wasn't. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to talk about um, co-curriculars and, and how we serve and learn in those. Um, I'm a really, really strong believer in the value of co-curricular co activities within a college setting. Um, I think any time you commit yourself uh, with your time and energy, when you interact with your peers, when you're being mentored by a coach or an advisor, uh, when you're pursuing excellence, um, regardless of whether it's athletics, music, theater, CAC, Ecopacks, whatever it is, uh, when you do that, there's an incredible value that you gain but you also give. Um, when I think back to my own college experience, and, and that was uh, a number of years ago, and it's getting harder to remember, um, but I can think of so many experience and lessons I learned through my co-curricular, which was college athletics. Um, and in fact, I hate to say this, and if you're sitting next to a faculty member, just kind of cover their ears for the next 30 seconds or so, but I probably learned more in my co-curricular that I relate to my current job now than I did in the classroom. Uh, nowhere in a classroom did we talk about what to do when the fire alarm gets pulled in the middle of a game. But I experienced it as a student and I saw what happened and so you learn from that. Um, 
Now, I wouldn't have gotten a job if I didn't do well in the classroom, and so I'm not saying academics is not important. I'm a huge proponent of academics, um, and our student athletes will attest to that. But, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's a balance between the two, and I think if, we, if we're really committed to doing well in our co-curriculars, um, we can gain so much from that. So what does it mean to serve Christ uh, in the co-curricular of athletics? Um, for some, the idea of athletics and Christianity is incompatible. Uh, somehow this idea of competition and aggressiveness um, is incompatible with, you know, blessed are the meek and the humble, the peacemaker and the mourners. Uh, in fact, when my dad was growing up, it was a sin for him to play sports. And so you can understand the transition that happened in our family as sports was everything to me growing up. Um, so in my family, it was only a sin to play on Sunday, which was a little difficult to justify. Um, but, and so, you know, you have that dichotomy. Um, but if you look at scripture, there's all kinds of athletes in the Bible. You know, David was a, a mixed martial arts wrestler. You know, he took on Goliath, who was the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, Joseph, tennis player, he served in Pharaoh's court. Uh, even Moses. <laughs> You know, he was into to racing, you know, he, he dragged his rod across the desert. Um, and even, and this, this is a new one that historians are just kind of coming to grips with, is we used to think Jesus actually walked on water. He actually was barefoot water skiing. <laughs> and Peter, the reason why he stumbled is he kind of got outside the wake. So, so that, that'll come up eventually in your classes. But um, personally, I think athletics is amoral. It's, it's not in itself it's not a good or a bad. It's what you bring to it and what you bring out of it. Um, it's kind of like music. Notes, don't con they're not sacred or secular. But when you add lyrics to it, you, you can get a purpose. You know, and one of the things that I'm, uh, I always kind of regret, and as, particularly as the, the worship band was playing, is I'm not very musical at all. And yet, for me, those five, seven minutes were a picture of heaven. And so if, if, if I could trade athletics for music, I probably would because of that experience. Um, and for me, you know, you can argue the, the facts of Christianity, but for me, the experience of being in a worship setting, like even like this morning, um, talk or proved to me the existence of God more than anything. But I digress on that. All right, so when it comes to serving Christ through athletics, there's various forms. You know, you, you've got the, the Tim Tebow who, you know, who's on the high-profile stage, a great example. And I, I think Tim Tebow's a great guy. Not a great quarterback, but he's a great leader. Um, but there's an example of somebody who has put their faith right out there. They're not hiding it, um, but they're, they're very bold in it and using the platform God has given them to, to share their faith. Uh, there's the, the Athletes in Action model where teams uh, and, and people will go overseas and use sports as a medium to explain the gospel. And so they'll, they'll play other teams and at halftime one, uh, one of the athletes will, will share you know, basically their testimony and they use that as a tool for evangelism. And then there's the, just the dynamic that happens within a team setting. And so you've got a number of personalities on a team. And in each of these people are at different points in their spiritual journey. And I think there's an incredible opportunity as coaches and, and teammates to impact each other and serve each other in their faith. And again, it has nothing to do with the specifics of 
the sport, but it's what you bring to the sport. Um, so classic examples, here at Goshen College, we, we developed a, a program called Leaf Relief. And it's, it's simple things of us serving others. So our athletic department sponsors a child, uh, his name is Trafine, he's from Rwanda, and we sponsor him through World Vision. And so every month, we send a check off to World Vision, and we generate that money through our concession sales. So when our student athletes are volunteering in the concession stand, they are serving Christ and blessing Trafine. Um, women's basketball earlier this year uh, spent a day building a house with Habitat for Humanity. Um, we, we donated part of our gate revenue uh, to Eddie's house and, and hopefully blessed in that area. Uh, we've raised toys, we've collected toys uh, at Christmas time for Toys for Tots, we've collected canned foods, uh, we're collecting shoes. If you've got used shoes, uh, hopefully not too used, but used shoes, and you've got new ones and you don't need this, bring them over to the RFC. We've got a, a container there, and we're, we give them away to people who need them. And so those are kind of practical, but they're not, they're not only for sports. You know, you can do that regardless of what your um, co-curricular or what your, your passion and, and gifting is. And so I think what it really comes down to is what are you doing with the gifts God gives you? For me, I love athletics, and I feel I was gifted. Now those gifts are, are waning, and I've had former players, you know, while I'm coaching them go, I thought you were good once. That's a little humbling, um, but there, there's a faith lesson there too. It's good to be humbled. Um, but the reality is God gifts us each differently, and I think the, the, the most important thing is, is, are you using those gifts for his glory? Um, Sometimes I can honestly say, eh, I probably embarrassed them. But the good thing is God's grace extends even onto the court. And so um, as you kind of hear from, from various people today, I think that one of the themes you'll, you'll pull out of it is that they are using their gifts, whatever it is, and each of us are different, um, for, for serving. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, the parable of the talents, you know. One guy got 10, one guy got five. You know, is that fair? Well, no. But God didn't reward them differently in terms of they, they doubled their stuff if they were faithful. And so I think as, if we're faithful with what God gives us, he will give us opportunities to serve. Um, you know, whether that's within a team setting of, you know, encouraging a teammate and walking alongside of them or holding them accountable and saying, look, you know, I've been observing this in your life. This, it doesn't mesh with what you want to be, and so we're going to walk together and deal with this. And the beauty of a team relationship is that you have that relationship. If some stranger just walked up to you and said, hey, I've been observing this in your life, and you need to change, you're going to look at them and say, who are you? But if somebody you've spent hours and hours and hours with working together says that to you, you've, you've developed that relationship. And so for me, when I, when I look at how co-curriculars or how we serve Christ in co-curriculars, I think the co-curricular is just the means in which it happens. There's nothing sacred or anything about athletics. It's amoral, but it's what you do with it. You know, uh, there's coaches. I look at a guy like a Tony Dungy versus a Rex Ryan. You know, they had the same job, but they approached it very, very differently. And I think for, for you, if I can leave you anything, I leave you with the question of what are you doing with the gifts God gives you and are you using them to your fullest? So, 
Thank you. I'm Natasha, as previously stated, and when Sarah first asked me to do this, I thought, oh goodness, why did she choose me to do extracurriculars and faith? I don't understand this. But um, later back when I was thinking over it before I answered her, I realized that my faith story has a whole lot to do with how extracurriculars have played into my life. And so I guess my first place where that has started has been middle school, where actually I was involved with no extracurriculars except for play. And I kept trying to sign up for Stuco, but I always missed the window. So I was very frustrated about that. And I made up for it in high school when I was, I ended up by my senior year being president of three clubs, being on yearbook, in play, choir, and several other things. So I went from nothing to everything within like a four or five year span. But um, a big part of extracurriculars in that aspect is um, I started to find my place in community and my place in what I was able to do throughout those formative years. I remember at the beginning of my freshman year, I said, God, I want to be part of something that matters to this community, and I want to be able to go somewhere with what you've given me. And at the beginning of that time, I really didn't know what I was asking, but through that, I ended up being a big part of a safe driving program. And in my school, in my community, within a 30-year span, we had lost 20 kids in a high school of 400 over different years. So almost every single class had lost a kid to either a farm accident or two car crashes. And my class was one of the first classes to walk across the graduation stage without anyone being lost. And so that was a really big thing within our community. And um, I was very touched, I think, to see how I was able to be a part of my community in my high school. But um, not only was I able to work with great people and learn different things in different ways that I could help others there, but I also used it for a darker aspect, a aspect for selfish reasons. I began to justify my worth by what I was giving and what my output was. I was able to justify the reasons why God could love me while I could be considered a respectable person within my community, why even my family could love me, as according to what I had accomplished. And like any other student who is vibrant at age 18 and coming to Goshen College and hearing the core values and the global citizenship and everything else like that, I thought I was going to change the world in some sense, whether it be through my extracurriculars or other things like that. And so I limited myself <laughs> with my busy schedule to um, just being on the GC players list, which I didn't actually do anything my freshman year with that, Voices in Harmony, Eco Packs, and the record layout. And spring semester, I was not able to be part of Eco Packs because it conflicted with the record. And for me, at this point in time, I had had a wonderful roommate my first semester. There was music almost every day in our room. It was a great home community. I had been doing different things. People thought I was a sophomore because I was involved with different things, and I don't know why else. I thought I looked like I was 16. They thought I looked older, whatever. And, um, and um, my second semester, my roommate was going through her own stressful times. I had the first boyfriend of my life. That was strange. 
And um, I was dealing with coming from a Republican, fundamentalist, country background and finding myself in a liberal Anabaptist global position and not knowing what to do with that theologically and not knowing what to do with that with my own path and who I was and what that meant for my own values. Because a lot of the things that I had stood by and said, okay, these are the things that make me the kind of person who I want to be. These are the reasons why people look up to me. We're being shattered and torn apart and estranged in some sense. And that semester, I also had easy classes, which is a blessing, but also did nothing for my need to approve myself by saying, oh, look what you're doing, because they're easy classes. And um, I found that without a sense of planning and creative problem solving within EcoPacks, which had been had taken away from me, I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know where my value was coming from. And at the same time, I had a kid who professed that he loved me, and I'm looking at him going, you don't know what this is. This has been like two months. You are silly as posh wash. You don't know what you're talking about. But um, our values and the things that we looked at and what we agreed with about what would make a respectable person seemed very different on the surface. And I had such a hard time trying to figure out where such love could be valued from. And at the same time, as my own self was changing, and what I thought it meant to be a Christian was being redefined, I couldn't see how God could love me either. And so I estranged myself from him drastically. And as I came into my own dorm, where the semester before, there had been laughter and music nearly every day, and found a stressful roommate who had her own problems, I found myself turning into myself and distancing myself more from her and not finding our community there. And so really, you're like, wait, I thought you were talking about extracurriculars. I'm finding that I had to discover in some sense that my value did not come from these things before I could figure out what it meant to actually serve in them. I thought a lot about what it meant to lose your life to gain it. Because before, I thought I was losing my life. I was putting all of my time into community efforts, leaving homework for last minute things. My mother saying, oh, if she's not home by six, she'll probably come home with a teacher or a classmate who will drive her home. But that wasn't losing my life, because that's what I was esteeming towards. Those were my own goals, which is good to have goals. It's good to have dreams. That's a wonderful thing. But I was basing so much of my own plans on giving, that it wasn't what God wanted for me to even give to myself or give to others. So I found myself in the summer with him saying, you've got to get back up on your feet. You've got to get back up. And came back in the fall with my boy in SST, so he was gone and absent, that was good. A position as ministry leader, having to teach to love other people, and Bob Yorder telling us, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others and finding myself pressured by Matt Lehman to try out for play because it's going to be his senior year and he wanted me in there. And um, didn't try out, but I did sign up to do props. And through that, I found a community of people who were creative problem solvers, who are in different spectrums on faith, different spectrums 
of personalities and everything else, and I had an opportunity to shine again, but not in the way that I had before. And so we're running out of time real quick. So I would just like to ask you what it means for you to lose your life to truly gain it. And also, I pray for you that you may go out and serve your community, that you will enjoy it and excel in your role, and that you will find yourself as part of that community and find value not because of what you are doing, but because you are part of that community as a human. Thank you. Already. Sorry. Whoa, that's really. <laughs> they told me to talk really, really. Oh, whoa, what's that? Not yet. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm sorry. That was me? Okay. Um, uh, yes, they told me to talk really fast, but I'm not <laughs> because, well, they had their chance. This is my turn. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to ask for you to, like, you know, shake it up because you've been sitting and let's just shake it up. Shake it, shake it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, now it feels better. All right. So when I received an email from my really good friend, Sarah Dieter, who is sitting right there, um, I was in the bathroom, and I was immediately overcome, and I thought, I had my iPhone, that's why I was in the bathroom. Um, I was immediately overcome, and I thought, wow, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life when I will get the chance to talk about me in front of an audience that's required to sit down and listen to me talk. <laughs> I promised Sarah that I was not going to left no stone unturned, no door unopened, no window unbroken, no rug unvacuumed, and no ivories untickled. Um, but something struck me, and it wasn't lightning, but a very profound thought, and it was sort of like, what do I want to say? Holy sacajouia, um, what can potentially be so interesting that Mennonites will listen? I thought about doing a hymn sing, just break into a song, but then I realized that's Patrick Ressler's story, not mine. Um, and then it hit me and I, I was like, I thought I should dress up like Lady Gaga and sing Born This Way. Where was the picture now? <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> that was nice, wasn't it? Um, however, I know Bob Yoder, campus pastor, um, will have turned me down for it not being too spiritual. So I flushed the toilet and I put my iPhone in my pocket and to watch my hands. And without a single idea of what I should talk about. And the first thing that you should know about me is that I was born this way. And the second thing that you should know about me is that I procrastinate a lot. I ramble and ramble and get distracted from the point. And don't judge me, you do it too. Actually, you're doing it right now, you're doing homework. I can see you, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, because, I've, because of this, I'm sorry, you can, you can do homework. <laughs> because of this, I decided to sit down at my desk and work on what I wanted to say this morning. So I did, and the first thing that came into my mind was, wow, this desk is dusty. I cannot work like this, so I went to the cleaning storage room, and to my surprise, there was a squirrel inside. 
And the squirrel event led me to think something that I have never thought of. And it's more about the lines of like, if you like winning, you really can't play hide and seek with a squirrel. They, they are really good at hiding. You just never can find it. I've tried it. Um, by that point, I'm inside of the storage room petting the squirrel, and I just have to tell my roommate, Oscar, who I think he's here. It's right there. Um, and he was really concerned about me. He was like concerned, and he just told me, like, Sammy, you do know that you can't pet a squirrel. Like, they don't like being pet. Until this day, I don't know what I petted. Um, I know it was fat and fluffy. <laughs> this event let me, uh, let one of those, led to one of those chat inspections and then turned into a very funny story among our floor mates. Um, which reminds me, Heather, you're fired. Um, I'm kidding, I'm totally kidding. Uh, inner joke. Okay, nevertheless, because of this weird squirrel incident, I realized that I, I wanted to talk, what I, that what I have to talk about faith, and if I wanna talk about faith, I have to talk about why I love to make people laugh so much. Because really, my faith is reflected in the laughter of others. Um, that's why I dress up like Lady Gaga and Beyonce and Madonna. Wow, I've been around. Um, <laughs> I just love the feeling of making people laugh because for those moments when you guys are cheering and laughing or just thinking how amazing I am, you are forgetting about the bad things in your life and about the stress and the pain that you may carry at that moment. And that's my goal as a CAC member this semester. You guys might think, but laughter is such a simple thing. Like, why is he choosing that as an example of his faith? I'm talking about laughter because in a world of so much stress, papers, Goshen dating, hangovers, um, What's really important is that we all like to laugh, and laughing is so relaxing and so powerful. That's when I feel God the closest and when I'm happy and when I'm laughing. Actually, this reminds me of something that happened yesterday in theater, and as, I'm gonna go really quick on this one, but um, as you may know, I am this semester's production, Twelfth Night, and you wouldn't imagine the things that happened to me in that production. Just to let you know, this is, oh, Angie's here, oh my word. Just let you know, this, top, this is top secret and not even my theater folks know about this. Um, so yesterday, I'm ready to move into scene, which is um, 2.5, 2.3, I'm ready to move the scenery. So I'm like ready for my cue, it's five minutes before my cue, so I'm ready to move everything. Goodbye, thanks for coming. Um, so <laughs> I am like ready to move my scene, to put it on, and I, all of a sudden I get this weird feeling in my stomach. And, I didn't know I was that intolerant to like milk, but I get this really, really, it was like AOL dialogue internet connection inside of me. You know, like <laughs> It was like, what is going on here? So I needed to go to the, like clearly I needed to go to the bathroom. So I had to take a decision whether to make my cue or I had five minutes to spare or run into to the bathroom, do it really fast and come back and make my cue. I, I, cannot, I can't ruin the costume, so I, I decided to go to the bathroom, and this is sort of like how it went down. <laughs> I missed my cue, so... Um, and of course, I had to take a shower afterwards. Um, 
So I'm waiting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and after that, I had the runs for like. After that, I'm sorry. After that, I had the runs for like. Well, I still have them. Um, but really, God is giving me all of these funny adventures so that I could share it. I could share them with you, and so you can laugh. Yeah, that's the good positive way of looking at that. Um, what it really comes down to is that I do believe in God. <laughs> In a God that's merciful and accepting of everyone, unless you are a serial killer, because, and even though I think he or she or it loves you that much, that is willing to forgive your most horrible faults. Um, I'm a freedom fighter. My shows, my songs, my work, and my art is all about freedom of expression. Freedom to choose to speak, to act always with humanity and compassion. I will strive for that on campus in my life. I will speak up for the gay community, I will support the gay community, and I will give strength and inspiration through my extracurricular activities to anyone on campus who is or feels oppressed. I don't run away from adversity, and I ask all of you not to do it either. We need to support equality and not oppression in Goshen College. That is God, and that is faith for me, and through my extracurriculars, I will strive to create a more equal campus. I do love everyone, except serial killers, because you just can't trust them. But that's why I hug you, even if I don't know you. I receive this heavenly gift that lets me see that there's a desire deep inside of you that's begging for a hug. I don't care how much you denied it. I know, you know, I know, you want it. <laughs> My point is, and I do have one, is that we all should be like President Dean Brennan. There you go. That guy is always smiling. Be kind to one another. Hello. All right, we're doing one verse of one song, and then you guys are dismissed. So if you'd like to stand, sing it with us. <laughs> <laughs> 